0: I would say underestimating me is probably my biggest thing. I was a college president and I went to the doctor and he asked me what I did for a living. I said, oh, I'm a college president. He said, you don't look like a college president. And that's been, I think, this obstacle that I've had to overcome time and time again is being underestimated, being discounted, people thinking I can't do. It doesn't matter if you think I can do it or not. I will prove to you that I can do it. Right. And so that's been a a through line throughout my whole life is having to prove myself time and time again. And I don't mind it. I'm up to the challenge. That's why I'm hyper-competitive. I think I'm, I'm, I'm always ready to prove myself.
1: Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Wita L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life. From a mental homeless aspect, how obstacles can be overcome to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Run it is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 99. Today, I have a very special friend, Tom Shear. I can't remember when I met him, but I remember my first impression of him. It was some Ironman race that I was spectating, and I see this big, Blackmail, throwing up, <laughs> Omega sign with a kelp on. Like, Who was this person, Tom? So I've known Tom since then, and we'll get into some of that in this interview. But let me give you a little tool history about Tom. He joined his local boys and girls club on his seventh birthday, and. He attributes the Boys and the Girls Club to being one of the most positive influences on his life. It is then he started his fitness journey. It also fostered a sense of commitment, work ethic, entrepreneurial drive, and love of sports. Tom began his career in the Navy as a damage control assistant. He joined the Naval Academy after high school. He served in active duty for a number of years. He then left and joined the corporate world, working for Kraft. He ventured out and owned several small businesses. He also um, is earning an MBA. He has been involved in a plethora of different sports, hockey, basketball, football, table tennis, swimming, boxing. Tom loves a challenge, and nothing is too hard, and nothing is impossible. He's very competitive, although you wouldn't think so, because he just has the kindest, sweetest heart. He's like a big teddy bear. He's had numerous awards, including the Navy Commendation Medal, Boys and Girls Clubs of Southeastern Michigan Alumni of the Year, Coast Guard, Guiding Principal Award, George, President George, H.W. Bush. 437th Daily Point of Light. He's a proud father of three children. Please welcome Tom to the show. Well, thanks for joining me today.
0: Happy to be here.
1: Well, Tom, I've known you, I feel like, forever.
0: But
1: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, tell me where your fitness journey started.
0: Like most things in my life, fitness started at the Boys and Girls Club. I joined the Boys and Girls Club on my seventh birthday and uh, went to the club every day and uh, played every sport most of them not well especially when you're a little kid um, but learned to play most anything up there we played soccer we played football and sports and um, athletics became the great equalizer for me i grew up in a fairly racist neighborhood i was the only black person and i wasn't really accepted by the neighborhood people would yell you know get off my sidewalk n-word etc all that fun stuff so that's where i was at school and that's where i was you know on the weekends when the boys and girls club was open I would go there and I was just Tommy Shear and I was accepted and loved mm-hmm. felt like I belonged there was amazing and one of the main things we did there was play and sports was the main one of the main things we played so sports for me always became this thing that was um there's a scoreboard right it's it's fair it's 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 even it's you have a fair chance you work hard and and you get results um I left that school system around the 7th grade and went to a uh, 60 70% black school district and they once, didn't get in, once again didn't accept me because I was different. I you know, was a kid in tight jeans and Van Halen T-shirts because that's who we wore at the school the day before. Right. And so once again, I'm not accepted.
1: Uh-huh. Where, where did you grow up?
0: I grew up in Redford, Michigan and then moved to Southfield, Michigan. OK.
1: Okay. What made you join the Boys and Girls Club?
0: It was a block from my house and I saw it every day and it seemed like the kids were, were having fun and I wanted to check it out.
1: OK. So when you moved, did you continue with the Boys and Girls Club or that's when you got your start?
0: No, always. Uh, I, I am involved in the Boys and Girls Club to this day. I'm on the board of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. But I was a member all through elementary school to high school until I went off to college. When I was in college, I volunteered on the weekends. After college, I volunteered as an adult, donated money. At some point, I went back and worked at national staff for the national headquarters and then started to work as a board member after that. So it's been, always been a part of my life and probably always will be. Boys and Girls Clubs, in fact, is in my will. Boys and Girls Clubs of Detroit get some money when I pass away. So literally, it will always be part of who I am. Okay.
1: So after Boys and Girls Club, did in high school, college, did you participate in any sports?
0: Uh I played junior Olympic table tennis when I was a kid, so got a gold and bronze medal in table tennis. High school was swimming and football. College was boxing. And when I got my MBA it was hockey. So I've played a whole bunch of sports. Yeah.
1: So out of all of those sports, it's a wide variety of different sports. Football, what position did you play?
0: Uh, offensive tackle, left tackle, protect the quarterback.
1: And what got you into swimming?
0: You know, I just like swimming. I like being in the water. And my sophomore year, I said, man, I'm going to join the swim team. And then um, – Did you know how to swim a little bit before? I mean a little. Like I learned I learned at Boys and Girls Club camp, right? I could get from one end of the pool to the other, like right, splashing around, but not well – um, and the swim team, I learned how to swim really well.
1: Well, that's good. Cause I know a lot of African-Americans don't really get much as far as the swim background. I know I do.
0: Yeah. The captain, the captain of the swim team was a, a black guy named Charles who became my best friend. We had a lot of black dudes on the swim team, but we would go to swim meets and it would be our team. And then the rest of the, the league was all pretty much white guys. So we had almost the only black swimmers.
1: Did you have a favorite stroke?
0: Fresh stroke. Love breaststroke. Love it.
1: And hockey. How did you get involved in hockey? That's that's different, though.
0: Man, I grew up watching Hockey Night in Canada when I was a kid. I'm a little black and white TV in Detroit. Um, I always wanted to play hockey. We didn't have the money to play hockey when I was a kid. And uh, when I was looking for business schools, I said, man, I'm going to find a business school with a club hockey team. And I joined and learned to play hockey, played hockey every day at University of Michigan without fail, six, seven days a week.
1: So what inspired you to join the military? Did you join right after um, high school? You went to the Naval Academy.
0: Yeah, I went to the Naval Academy. So I I was a sea cadet, which is like an ROTC program, but not affiliated with a school. So we had uh, had a YP, which is like a little yard patrol craft. Jimmy Carter actually served on the exact same YP that I I was on as a kid. Um, I always have kind of an affinity for Jimmy Carter, and I hope he's he's doing well. I know he's uh, home right now and struggling a little bit. With that said, I was, uh, so I was on the water since I was about 11, and I always loved the water. And I said, man, I'm going to join the military when I grow up. And then as I got a little older, I said, well, I'm going to join the, the Navy. And as I got a little older, I said, I'm going to go to college. And then I said, man, I could go join the military and go to college by going to the Naval Academy. And so I pursued that and got into the Naval Academy. I have a sense of duty and always want to give back. It goes back to, <laughs> um, even if you want to take it back to sports, being a left tackle, I protected my man Darzell, our quarterback. I was blindside when I play a goalie, when I played hockey, I was a goalie is protect the net. And um, there's always been kind of a protector in me. And so joining the military was defending and protecting other people, even with um, the Boys and Girls Club and what I do now. I always describe myself as a defender of kids. I, I will always make sure the kids are OK. And uh, giving back to Boys and Girls Clubs helps me continue that sheepdog mentality of protecting others that I have.
1: Well, thanks for your service.
0: Absolutely. It was a blast. I'm wearing, I'm wearing camouflage today. We didn't wear camouflage in the Navy, but I mean, we got my camouflage on today. <laughs>
1: How long were you in uh, Navy?
0: At the Naval Academy from 90 to 95 and then active duty from 95 to 2001 and then reserves from 01 to 03.
1: So what attributes did you um, attribute from being in the military that you gained?
0: Man, um, I am not a morning person and the military forces you to be a morning person and forces you to do a lot of things outside your comfort zone. And so, yeah, sense of duty, serving others, a a military mindset, this this operational, let's get it done, let's make things happen mindset, mission accomplishment, doing things with purpose. I got a lot of that from the military, and it it carries through to this day.
1: So you have quite the impressive resume, um, computer science degree from the Naval Academy, MBA, work for a lot of different companies own a lot of different companies. How do you find time to do everything and then do your athletic endeavors as well?
0: Maybe back to the military mindset. um, I'm I'm clicking something over here. Uh, I keep everything on a spreadsheet and everything organized. My races, that's everything like organization, organization, organization. And some things get through. I try not to drop too many balls. I don't drop very many, but I I make sure that I have good general managers in place. Mike and Justin are awesome. They help me run my businesses. Um, And generally just staying focused on, on the main thing. I can't tell you who was on the latest episode, episode of the Real Housewives or whatever. I can't tell you a lot of stuff in pop culture cause it, I don't let it take up a lot of my bandwidth. So my focus is on enjoying life, my kids, my godson, running the businesses and uh, taking care of others and doing my races. So I, I don't do a lot beyond that.
1: Okay, but that's enough.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. And, and I think you can, you can meld it all together. I went to Alaska. I, had, I visited 49 states, and I hadn't been to Alaska yet. I said, man, I want to go to Alaska. They created Ironman Alaska. It's a great way to combine wanting to do yeah. sports, wanting to be with friends, and uh, wanting to see the 50th state. So did the, the Mayor's marathon, Half Marathon and did the uh, Ironman Alaska and had a blast And with a bunch of friends there and just had a good time. Ate some great Alaskan crab uh, and all kinds of silly stuff, along with doing an athletic adventure and also did payroll on the airplane on the way to Iron Man Alaska. I remember having to buy the internet so that my people would get paid on time. So like, that's just, that's just how it is.
1: <laughs> well, it's good you were on a plane. Cause you know, sometimes the internet don't work. on
0: planes. <laughs> no janky. Look, I didn't even realize like when you, when you fly to Alaska, right? You cross over Canada. And as soon as you hit the Canadian border, the internet goes out. So I was out of luck. I got almost done and then had to wait till we landed. But yeah, so. <laughs> It's stuff you don't even plan on. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. So what drew you to multi-sports? What attracted you to multi-sports?
0: It's a great question. Um, I have always been a big dude, never been a small dude. And I own a pizza place. Pizza might be my favorite food. It's pretty much up there. And uh,
1: You like all kinds of pizza or a particular type?
0: Detroit style, square pizza, uh, eight-corner pizza. It's the best. Nice crunchy crust, spicy sauce. Yeah, that's the best. So I owned the pizza place, and I got up to 350 pounds. I said, "Man, I need to get back in shape." Now, when I was a kid, around age 12, 13, something like that, I saw the Iron Man on TV. I said, "Man, I'm gonna do that one day." And so, in 2005, I said, "Man, let me let me get back in shape. Let me do a triathlon." And I and I did. And to rewind just a little bit, I I, I had a girlfriend at the time who always used to do the Peachtree Road Race. Okay. And she said, "Let's do the Peachtree." So I signed up for it and did it in 2005 with her. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I was an All-American in this and this and this and this, and have since done 30 Ironman triathlons. But I still t- say to this day that, that that 10K was the hardest thing I'd ever done. I hadn't trained.
1: Well, was it just hilly or just, yeah, all
0: that? I hadn't changed in dec- trained in decades. I was 350 pounds. And I just get out there and ran. And it hurt the whole time. And I was in, I was in horrible pain. The following like i couldn't move i couldn't pick my legs up It was horrible it was the hardest thing i've ever done but i said but but i did it i said i'm gonna keep doing it and so i started uh dieting and eating a lot better um i slowly started dropping weight and then i jumped in the pool january 1st and started swimming every day and and signed up for the revenge of the red hills triathlon in uh, tallahassee okay
1: what's what distance is that
0: that's just a sprint a little sprint um it's my favorite sprint and i go back and do it whenever i can
1: In Tallahassee.
0: Yes, ma'am. In Tallahassee. I signed up for a sprint and then did a bunch of races in between that one and the season ender, which was a half Ironman. And I said, man, if I get this half Ironman done, I'm going to sign up for a full Ironman.
1: Which half was that
0: one? Uh, The Miami man running through the zoo down in Miami. Okay. Again, probably my favorite half. Uh, Multi race. They put on great events. I love them. And I go back and do that in uh, Miami whenever I can.
1: So when you started training, did you have a coach, or you just um did you just pull out your spreadsheets? Or how did you basically get from basically couch to that half Ironman?
0: Man, I just I figured it the hell out. I I've had one coach. I qualified for Ironman Kona in 2018 and uh, hired a coach to get me from July to October through the race, and that's the only time I really used a coach. Great guy. So I, I just said, man, I'm just going to get in the pool every day. And figure this out. And I was already a swimmer, so I could swim. But getting in every day, I started building the swimming up. And then I bought a mountain bike, and I started riding my mountain bike to the pool in Atlanta. And then um, I started running every night with my dog in the golf course that was by my house. So maybe my dog Yoshi, my main man, was my coach. Uh, whenever we would run, if I stopped running, he would turn around and start barking at me. Okay. <laughs> if I slowed down, because he was having so much fun. So uh, maybe say Yoshi was my coach, but that's, that's a true story. We'd be running and if he, he would turn around ur, ur. I'm like man, I'm coming, man. Golly. <laughs> so that was my dude. So maybe Yoshi was my coach there for a while. Um I think <laughs> then finally in fact when I when I raced Kona, Yoshi had passed away uh three years earlier and on my mm. right wrist I wore his dog collar. No uh during the race so that he was with me during uh during the race as my man. So yeah, and then I also made um, a racing suit and if you if you look at the racing suit it's camouflage. But if you look real close, some of the camouflage dots are actually silhouettes of my dog, Yoshi. So he's on the he was even on the racing uniform that I wore. Yeah, my dude, man. I love Yoshi.
1: Your first half. What year was that? Uh,
0: 2006.
1: And you say after that, you said you were going to do a full. Yep. And what was your first full?
0: My first full was Iron Man, Wisconsin.
1: So how was that? That was a hard one to be a first.
0: That was hard. That was a good one, but I didn't know. (laughs) I I had nothing to gauge it on at the time, right? So okay, (laughs) yeah. I don't know. It's just it's an Iron Man. It's going to be hard, (laughs) right? So um, I ran. There was a guy named Frank Farrar who was a mayor of, uh, governor of one of the Dakotas, mayor of one of the Dakotas. Seventy eight year old some dude that did it, and I was running with him for a while. He was going, but the 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 people all throughout the race made it enjoyable, but it was still very very painful. I used to have really really bad foot problems. I would lose the bottom of my foot. At every race, like it's really bad. Um, I lose the whole bottom of my foot just from my weight and the blisters and all this stuff. So it was hard for that reason. You run up that helix at Wisconsin. Like why have us run up a parking lot helix? It's yeah, ridiculous! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is stupid. We're, we're riding. <laughs> I'm a big dude, so you 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 carry yourself up a hill on a bike and then you go down. You think you get all this momentum and you're gonna fly. Except at the bottom of every hill in Wisconsin is a left turn and some hay bales. So you gotta hit the brakes. Like, yeah. Of course. It's like what are we doing? So that's all I knew. That was an Ironman. And so um, I did that. And my second one was a couple months later in Florida. And uh, it was perfectly flat and all that stuff. And that was actually my PR. So that was a good one. But it was really, really hot.
1: So, what made you go from Ironman, Wisconsin, to a couple months later doing another one?
0: So, I didn't know. I didn't know you weren't really supposed to do a lot of them close together. Like, I, I had no coach, I had no guy. So, I I signed up for four of them in 10 months. So, I did, okay. I did Wisconsin, Florida. Arizona in the spring and then Lake Placid in July. So I actually did like four in about 10 months wow. and I've done even worse stuff to my body since then. But at the time I didn't know, I was just like, I'm, I don't know, just sign up for all the races. And that's kind of always been my motto. It's just just let's sign up and let's do it, figure it out. So did the super hard Wisconsin, super hot Florida. Well, I thought it was super hot. And then I did Ironman Arizona mm-hmm. and it was like record heat and we were melting out there. And I was like, man, I just want the next race to be cool. So I go to Iron Man Lake Placid and it rained for 17 hours straight. Wow. And it was cool and we were freezing and the, it was horrible. <laughs> so like, I don't ask for weather anymore. I, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> I just just show up, just don't, don't pray <laughs> to the rain gods, don't, nothing, Like there's, I'm here in Vegas now and I, you can see the sun, but out the window, there's snow capped mountains and we're in Vegas. So I don't know, it's snowing and cold and it was 40 something degrees for the 5k yesterday. And maybe the weather would be good, but I'll just take whatever comes tomorrow and the next day. <laughs> It'll
1: be fine. It'll be fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so how many total Ironman races have you done?
0: I think 30. I think the number is 30. Wow. Okay.
1: You have a favorite?
0: I really, really like Cozumel. I've done it many times. Why? Wow. Uh, I like going there. It's relaxed. It's a good swim now. It used to be a horrible swim. You used to have to swim into that current. Now you just swim with the current. The bike course is windy and hot. Uh, some years there's been fire, like a building was burning down one year we did the race. There's always been there's always been an adventure. I, I'm not scared of many, many things in life, but spiders that are about this big, I'm scared of. And one year at Cozumel, I'm running and I went to go pee off to the side and I'm running through the bushes and there's a spider like this and scared me to death. So I even have killer spiders in Cozumel and I still love it. <laughs> it's a great, the people are really friendly. The food is good, the weather's nice. Um, the water is crystal clear and beautiful. It's very relaxing. It's at the end of the year in November. So almost anywhere in the country, you can be trained right for it. Whereas like Texas is a, is early year race. So it's harder if you live in Michigan to like train for an April race. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, so everything, it's just one of those. And then um, Wisconsin is way up there. And of course, Kona is way up there. And the last one I'll mention is Coeur d'Alene. It's something about Coeur d'Alene. It's just peaceful, beautiful. Really? Evergreen trees and fresh air and yeah, I I like I have a soft spot for Cordelane as well.
1: How many times have you done
0: it? Uh I think three.
1: So you didn't do it the year, it was record breaking heat.
0: Well, (laughs) so yes, the first time I did it it was record breaking heat. And then the second time I did it, it broke the previous record. And then the third time I did it, it broke the previous record of the other two. So I think it's just hell hot in Cordellane. I don't ever think it's actually cold on race day there. In fact, the race, the one year, the third time I did it was so hot, I ran a race with a guy named George, who's fraternity brother, who's also done a bunch of Ironmans, and me and him both tapped out on the bike, We're like, man, it's too hot. We we met back in a room, got something to eat, relaxed, and uh, our friend Susley was out there, and she was a new friend to me at the time, but that was her first Ironman, and she didn't know better that it was too hot, so she persevered and made it through, and she's a trooper, so sometimes I think ignorance is bliss in some of these Ironmans. If you don't know... That's true. Just keep going. You don't, you don't know that it's horribly record hot and you're about to die and it's it's the worst thing ever in the world. You just go, ah, well, this must just be what it's like. And you keep going. <laughs> do
1: you have a worse race?
0: If our friend Candace is watching this podcast, she just heard me out, shell and shout, Maryland. I do not like Maryland at all. Why? Jellyfish. I don't even mind the jellyfish, although they suck too. The jellyfish are cool. They give you high fives across your face during the whole swim on your back. The logistics are crazy. You have to take cars and bikes and like all this stuff just to get to the race. You got to walk miles after the race to get back to your bike. Like it's it's all this stuff that just does not really make it fun for me. Okay. So I don't Maryland. I avoid Maryland. I don't, I'm not a fan of Maryland. Shout out to the to the people who love it. It's just not for me.
1: You've done it more than once though,
0: right? Uh, I've done it twice. Yeah.
1: So, what made you come up with the goal? I'm going to do all the Ironman races in North America.
0: Well, <laughs> so when I made that goal, I think there was only six of them, right? So, because <laughs> I've been doing it for that long, right? It was like six races. I'm like, I'll do all six. That'll be fun. And again, to go back to like my unofficial motto of let's do all the races, that just seemed like something cool to do, to do all the ones in North America, including Kona. And that was my goal. And I said, I'm going to keep doing these until I go to Kona. Well, it took me 12 years to qualify for Kona in those intervening 12 years they continued to add race after race after race so i've done like new york which is a one and done alaska which is a one and done and i've done a bunch of the ones that like i did tahoe you did louisville right yeah i did louisville i was in the uh, transition for ironman tahoe when they canceled the race 30 minutes before we were supposed to start what happened the whole place was on fire it was bad oh, oh wow. it was bad they should they probably should have canceled it the 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 air quality was horrible. It was just not. It was not good. So, um, I've done a bunch of cancel races, and I keep trying to check them off. Um, I was signed up for Los Cabos before they canceled it. Like the year they canceled it, I was supposed to go. So, and then there's some that I've revisited many times, like Cozumel, that I absolutely love. But the reason I did the goal was like, hey, it's there. Let's try it. Let's do it. It's uh, it seemed fun. And and with the I had signed up for those four, and they were all so very different. Mm-hmm. I said, let's go do them all, and 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 have a different experience at all of them. Why not? Like, I've done a bunch of the inaugural races, like inaugural Texas and a few others. Um, I did the last Beach to Battleship. I did the last Vine Man. Yeah. So I just, I love the different experiences. I think that's my favorite part of racing is going and just doing a new venue and seeing something new.
1: So tell me about your Kona experience. Was it all you thought it would be?
0: Kona was everything I thought it would be and more. And I had, I was in absolutely phenomenal shape. It was an absolutely phenomenal day. Uh, I flew out. My friend Alexis, I flew out my parents, I flew out my kids, and then a bunch of other folks were out there as well. Uh, my friend Sarah came out. Uh, and so I had friends and family there, I rented, rented a bunch of houses, and I went a week early to really experience it. The one person that didn't get to go, my best friend passed away uh, Sorry, yeah. a month before Kona. He was actually supposed to go. He passed away three days before my birthday. And so he didn't make it to the race. And that was actually I said that we had a, a black captain of the swim team a little earlier in the podcast. I was him that became my best friend for life. And so I put his name on the front of my bike. I set a, a goal of uh, of a swim time and, uh, and I wanted to have a good swim for him. And I beat my swim goal. I did. and I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I did like 122 on the whole swim, which is like the practice swim the Saturday before. And I set a goal of uh, hitting about 115 and I hit that goal for the race, but I didn't know because I didn't wear a watch on the swim. I just went and swam and wanted to stay in the moment. Alexis and my kids told me I hit my swim goal when I when I was riding by them on the bike. So that set a tone for me of just this wonderful day. I had just a wonderful swim. We had these waves, these rollers, and, and I was ready for those. Um, there was turtles out there, which is good luck and a, a sign of protection in Hawaii. So we had a, the turtles out there protecting us. I had ridden every part of the bike course because uh, I went out early. I've I'd rid- I'd ridden every part of the bike course. And so I rode. And I said, man, when I get to those flowers, I know that I'm almost to the top of Javi. And I know I'm doing good. And I'm riding. I'm focused. I'm doing my nutrition. I'm focused, focused. And all of a sudden, I saw these flowers. I said, oh, my God, I'm already at the flowers. I was so happy. <laughs> and that's how the whole day was. I actually stopped at the turnaround of Javi. And my friends met me out there. And I, st- I told them I was going to stay with them for a minute. And I did. I was talking to them. And I was like, I told Alexis and I told Sarah, I was like, I am scared. I'm having such a good day. Like, I'm scared that the tire is going to pop. Something's going to break. Something's going to go sideways. <laughs> and like, I started to make myself nervous. And they were like, man, if you don't calm down and ride the rest of this race and have a good race. I'm like, you're right. You're right. And my friends got my head right, which made me really happy. And I rode the second half of the, the bike course and flew back. Uh, I went hard and then got to the run. And, um... Man, it was it was a very hot day, and that like I have newfound respect for the pros and for everybody that completes Kona because they tell you about the lava fields they tell you about you don't really realize how how desolate the Kona run course is. You're out there by yourself because even the other runners they're with you, but it ain't like the social run like Ironman Wisconsin where you're running through the college town, the kids are throwing you beer. We're in Florida where the people are hula dancing. With. No, you just out there by yourself, cook it. Um, I actually went back to support uh, Margo and Kim, two other great traffic who qualify for Kona. And I purposely went out onto the desolate parts of the run. So they would see a friendly face out there for the desolate parts of the run. And Kim, he was not, he was having a little bit of struggle in the, in the lobby fields, And I saw him there mm-hmm. and ran with him and he was so happy to see me. And then I went and grabbed, I found Margo <laughs> and uh, Margo, Margot had a really good, I mean, they both had really good days, but, Margo was, was feeling it a little bit out on that run course, so I wanted to give back that energy that, that I needed when I was out there. So I did the run, and then um, the last run, the last part of the run to the finish line at Kona is magical. It's it's magical. You can it, It's a long straight, a few hundred yards long. You can see the finish line down there. You can hear it. And uh, I finished in 15 hours, 50 minutes, so it wasn't that crowded at the time. So I kind of had the whole shoot to myself. I was talking to people, shaking hands, high-fiving. Um, I had done a couple things strategically too to make my experience how I wanted it. So we signed Alexis up for the uh the finish line catcher, right? So not only was she there to catch me, which I don't even know that you can pay for that privilege. She also put my lay on me. You get a, a very specific lay from Kona. And she put my lay on me and then walked me back to the back. And in the back, there's a place where you get signed in, like this. They they highlight you and sign you in as an official fin- finisher of Kona. My mother signed me in as an official finisher. How cool is that? Yeah. And then my uh my son came and, and he volunteered at the finish line too. And my son got to escort me to the final the finisher photo, got to put my medal on me. So my mom signed me in, my son medaled me, and Alexis gave me my leg. So I don't know how you beat that. You have your friends and family and the people yeah, that
1: you are your whole crew at the end. yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man, it's hard to beat. And so um and then because I'm extra, I, I created a world heavyweight championship belt. And wore the world heavyweight championship belt around for the next couple of days too, which my, a lot of the which made me really happy. Some of the pros borrowed the belt to take photos, and other people took <laughs> photos with the belt. And because I like spreading joy and silliness and happiness everywhere, like the at the finisher banquet, people were like, "What? What is this belt? What is what is happening?" <laughs> and uh, and so, and I I take it to races sometimes, and uh, like I took it out to Kona and, and yeah. took pictures. Yeah, let Margo take pictures with it. Then I met Kim in Texas and had him take pictures with it. And um, I don't know, it's kind of a silly, I wouldn't even call it a tradition, but a silly thing, I guess, right now. And I would love to, for all of our, our my folks that go out and finish, I'd love them to be able to take a picture with the World Heavyweight Championship belt, let them know that they are champions of the world for that one day, because Kona's special, man. And just, yeah, it's really, really good. Kona was, at, it was took me 4,600 and something days to qualify for Kona. I counted all them days. And it took me a long time to get there. And it was well worth it. And it took, more than a couple of dollars, because if you do 15, 20, 25 Ironmans, that, that adds up in cost.
1: Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. And just getting the corner is costly.
0: Oh, just the plane ticket alone. Yeah. The hotels alone. It, it's no joke. It's worth it, though. I think life is meant to be experienced, and I think um, it's hard to put a price tag on experiences. I agree. But. But I guess twenty two thousand six hundred something dollars is my price tag for Kona. So <laughs> it's I guess it can be, yeah.
1: Well, hey, you can you, you roll like that, Tom.
0: Nah, man.
1: Roll like that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tell everybody my secret is um, I paid two thousand dollars or so a month in child support for many, many years. And now and once the child support stopped, I just shoot all that money to triathlon.
1: OK, I just track or other stuff. You, do you travel just to race or you do other stuff too?
0: I do other stuff too, but um I I like to golf and so I've taken some really nice golf trips. There's a, a couple of really nice golf courses out here in Las Vegas. One is the Wind Golf Course, they're a little bit expensive. Shadow Creek is another one. And last time I was out here I played Shadow Creek and the Wind. So I spent a little money on golf too. But yeah. And then I donate a lot of money to boys and girls clubs. So that's
1: Okay. That's that's those are your hearts with your things. Yes, ma'am. Where did the kelp, the racing in the kelp, where did that come from?
0: My grandmother is uh, Scottish. She was full-blooded Scottish. She was um, president of the Daughters of Scotia, like this little Scottish clique that the ladies have here in the United States. And my great-grandmother's from Scottish and had a a house in Scotland. I wore my kilt to Ironman Coeur d'Alene in honor of my grandmother. I love my grandmother very much. And um, so I wanted to wear it. Now, growing up, we always used to go to the Highland Games, which is a a Scottish athletic event. And all the guys would wear kilts, and I, I became enamored with, with them wearing kilts and came to really respect it. they would do things like this thing called a caber toss where you take a tree and throw it up in the air and flip it as many times as you can. They would do a thing called the farmer's walk where you'd grab these two heavy weights and walk just as far as you can. And so for me, the kilt always kind of represented endurance and pride and working hard. It seemed like a perfect fit for an Ironman to, to rock a kilt for an Ironman. Ironically, the first Ironman I wore a kilt to in Coeur d'Alene, another guy had the exact same kilt on. <laughs> um at the race too it's a Loch Ness tartan which is kind of fun and they had a bagpipe group out there so i had the full scottish experience out there for my first one another dude in a kilt and it's the only other time i've seen anybody race in a kilt ironically in all the years i've been racing in a kilt as far as iron man goes there's a guy named debo that um he races uh running races in a kilt so shout out to him okay, okay, the other okay. big black dude in the kilt that i know about there but yeah that's where the kilt comes from it's a scottish heritage scottish pride i got to take my mother to Scotland for New Year's Eve this year and take her to our grandmother's home and we took pictures in front of it and man we both just felt at home and felt really at peace and I could see where my family's love of water comes from uh and, and I think it's genetic. I think we just love water.
1: Okay. That's nice. To honor your grandmother. That's what well, lovely. Yeah. So last year when you turned fifty, you had a seemingly insurmountable task, I thought, of fifty races. <laughs> So what made you come up with that?
0: (laughs) So I started signing up for races like I always do. I I sign up a a year ahead of time for a lot of races. I signed up for like 15 races or something. And uh, I was like, man, what am I doing for my 50th birthday? And I was like, man, let me look for a race for my 50th birthday. I could not find a race on my 50th birthday. I said, well, maybe I'll just do 50 races instead. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just started signing up for everything. I, I signed up for a million zillion different races and, uh, Ended up doing 55 total races for the year from was it three Ironman, maybe more, maybe four Ironman, a bunch of Ironmans, a bunch of triathlons, a bunch of marathons, um, a bunch of different distances. I raced like thir- I did just racing. I did like thirteen hundred and something miles for the year and, and really had a had a blast with it swimming for the year. So it was great. Yeah.
1: So out of that, it was 50 races, did one stick out above the others or were they all just special?
0: Oh, man. um. There were some really hard ones. I, Iron Man Waco, you know, I talked about the experience like not loving Maryland because of the hotels and everything and the logistics are paying pain in the butt. Iron Man Waco, my hotel was about 100 yards from the finish line. I never had an experience like that. I was like, this is going to be the best day ever. And then we got out there and we all were in a hurt locker all day, all day. But I actually went live from Iron Man uh, Waco during the run when I decided to drop out. And this the support and the love of everybody in in my moment which is probably one of my harder races of the year was is one of my favorite memories of all the messages and then i got to see candress and kendrick finish the race and they they did well and so celebrate for them and all that so that was probably one of the more interesting ones there was a lot of good races throughout the year um going to alaska to do the mayor's half marathon was a highlight the the team takedown was there so there was that's got to be the most black people that have ever been in Alaska at once. Was when Team Takedown was at that, that race. Like it was, it was something to see. And so that experience was really cool. I got to meet a bunch of people I hadn't met in person, but knew through the, you know, the the social media community. Um, that was a really, really good one. I raced all the. I raced for Team Rev Three, so doing all the Rev Three races was great. Uh, I'm a huge. I'll give you a silly one. I'm a huge Batman fan, and so I signed up for the uh, Batman race. As six Flags. So I got the race wearing a Batman T-shirt. I'm a big kid. So for me, that was a really, <laughs> a really silly, fun memory. And then I also did the um, the Chicago Triple, which is uh, a triathlon I've done a few times. There are four triathlons in three days, whatever the, hell the heck it is. And uh, I always like doing the triple, got to see a bunch of people there, did my first international marathon. So I did the Paris Marathon. So that was another highlight. Got to see the Eiffel Tower for the first time. Did uh, Revenge of the Red Hills, which was the, the very first triathlon that I did ever. I did it again that year. And I'd always wanted to do the Great Floridian because that's like this, this Ironman or the full distance race that's been going on forever. And so got to do the, the Great Floridian, too, which has also been on my bucket list for a very long time. So, yeah, a bunch of that stuff just came together and, and went really, really well and really, really enjoyed the year. I think the, the secret to, to doing 50 races in a year is doing things like the Goofy where you do a 5K, then a 10K, then a half, then a full four days in a row. So you travel once, get four races in, you're sore as heck, but uh, it's worth it. And I, so I did a lot of back-to-back races, two or three races in a weekend. I think that's the only way I could have possibly survived doing all that. Just like this weekend, I did a 5K yesterday. I'm going to do a half marathon today. It's stuff like that that really helped, and it made the, the worth it.
1: Yeah, and the triple challenge probably helped too, huh?
0: Yeah, that, that helped too. Yeah.
1: So when you turn 60, you're going to try it again?
0: Ma'am, <laughs> I'm gonna do 65k's, maybe. I ain't doing no Ironmans, no marathons. Look, man, he, nah, that's a one-time-only thing. I actually inspired um, a guy named Steve. He's doing 59 races for his 59th birthday because I did 50 for 50. So,
1: okay, God bless
0: him. Maybe I'll do 59 for 50. Maybe I'll do 60 for 60 just to beat him. I don't know. I'm I'm hyper competitive, so who knows. Yeah.
1: So what's on your bucket list since you've done so much? Do you have a bucket list as far as triathlons or?
0: Challenge Roth. I still want to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, uh, Wildflower, I always want to do. They canceled it the year I signed up and kind of a victim of COVID and some other things.
1: So what's Wildflower?
0: I don't, I- it's a race in California. They used to have uh, Infamous because the aid stations were manned by local college students. Mm-hmm. And the local college students maybe didn't wear uh, much. So there was the topless aid station. There was it's all all kinds of silly stuff like that. Yeah. So and it's a triathlon festival. So it's this it's this silly festival. And I hope they bring that back. That would be good. But challenge Roth is, Roth is a big one. And I qualified for Kona once, and I want to go to Kona again. And so I'm on a quest right now to go to Kona again. I'm going to race Ironman Arizona under the Executive Challenge Program. And um, if I if I do everything that I want to do for ironman arizona then i'll qualify for kona and go a second time in 2024 so that's another big part of the bucket list there's also a, uh, a marathon in, the, in antarctica i heard about Australia. it yeah might, might as well do that too i've done i've done escape from Alcatraz. i've done a bunch of the other stuff uh but those are that's running in antarctica seems awesome challenge roth seems awesome and going to kona twice seems like why not let's do that
1: okay so what keeps you motivated to keep training and, and racing these races like does it ever get old? Like, I'm tired of this. Um, let me try something now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I did Ironman New York in 2012 and, uh, it was a really hard race. I said, man, I need a break. I like, I didn't sign up for anything. I would say 2013 and 2014, I didn't really sign up for much of anything. I might've done a like a little local race or something. But I, I just needed time off because it wasn't interesting to me anymore. I was burnt out from it. But like, like you say, like, running is better than therapy. Right. And, and, um, <laughs> I remembered, I got back to, man, that was all this athleticism is is my therapy. It's my joy and I have to get back to it. And so I did the best damn race. It's called in Orlando. I started playing hockey again and a bunch of stuff like that and got back to what I really love doing, uh, which is just being active and joyful. And so playing hockey in Jacksonville with those guys and, and hockey uh, in Orlando and Daytona kind of got my pump prime for athleticism again. Okay. Um, yeah. So I have some other there's other stuff on the bucket list, too, that, that aren't athletic, but they are a test of endurance. There's a I've taken my boat six, three thousand miles and I want to take my boat six thousand miles. It's a thing called the Great Loop. So you go down the Mississippi River to the Gulf of Mexico, around Florida, up the Atlantic coast, through the Erie Canal and then through all the Great Lakes. Um, I've done half of that. I want to do the whole thing. And so that's also a test of endurance because you have to stand stand at the wheel and steer for 12 hours a day for about three months, four months. And, uh, I'm going to do that as well.
1: You have to have like a crew to go, go with you and all that good stuff.
0: The 3000 miles I, I basically did by myself, but I had a lot of company on the boat. So, uh, my friend Tasha came with her two sons and her two sons, the first couple of days were always on their phones. And the next couple of days were kind of looking at the water and the next couple of days they wanted to go fishing and they were just living the boat life and enjoying it. And I want to share that experience with, with as many people as possible. So yeah, whoever wants to come can come, uh, my friend James and his son, Lorenzo, were the first ones on the boat with me when I left. Lorenzo, 12, drove the boat better than anybody else on, that had been on the boat that whole time. <laughs> kid was amazing. It was like a video game to him. He was just, he had it He had it nailed. That kid was amazing. Um, so I'd love to have him come back on the boat because I trust him with my boat more than anybody else. Um, and then I had just a bunch of friends that came for a day or for two days or three days. Mom came for the last leg of the trip, and, of course, the only time I got boarded by the Coast Guard was the day Mom was there because that's the kind of luck she brings me. It's my girl. I don't know why, Mom. <laughs> Mom can attract craziness, man. Let me tell you what. She's just hanging out with the Coast Guard. Hi, how's it going? I'm like, Mom, this is the police pulling us over, Ma. And she just happy as can be. Like, come on, Mom, you're killing me right now. So uh that's my girl, man. She's 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 a mess. Um, I love her to death. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's another one of those goals that are out there. So I do have goals beyond sport, um, but they're all about pushing your limits and seeing what you can do and enjoying life. I want to do like an ultra one day, like a fifty mile run. I am gonna ride my bike from Brunswick, Georgia to Key West one day. So some things like that. Okay.
1: Wow. How many miles
0: is there? I don't even know. I, I that's that's <laughs> like I, I didn't know. I just signed up for four Iron I, I don't know how, how, how I'm gonna <laughs> go from go from Key West to my house in Brunswick, but I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna figure it out. I don't know okay long a lot shit it takes 10 hours to drive or something i don't know so (laughs) (laughs) i'll figure it out
1: it's probably longer to drive than that yeah this is eight hours from Tallahassee to to miami so i'm thinking it's in georgia's brother yeah
0: so there you go and then the keys is another long drive i don't so yeah i don't i don't (laughs) know i'm just gonna go and figure it out
1: Part of my podcast is to feature guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. Can you tell me about an obstacle that you've had to overcome, whether it be life, endurance racing or whatever that you had to overcome?
0: I'll give you a fundamental one. um, Simple one. Uh, These are your feet, right? When you're born like this, your feet are like this, whatever. My feet were like this and like this. So I don't have any baby shoes. I had casts on my feet for the first several years of my life.
1: Yeah. Club feet.
0: Uh, club feet, pigeon toed, And then my the bones were turned in on my on my legs, too. So my legs were broken several times as a kid. I remember running around and cast in a bunny suit um, one year. And so that was a big one of just having to overcome physical differences. Um, I had somebody tell me just the other day, are you sure you're ready for a, a half marathon? And most of my friends that know me will laugh because I just. Go wake up and do a half marathon with no problem, but yeah, when you see when you see a a six foot three, two hundred and seventy pound dude, you're like, I can this dude do a five k? I'm like, I just did an Ironman two weeks ago, Tim. like people just underestimate me all the time, and so, um, I would say underestimating me is probably my biggest thing. I was a college president, and I went to the doctor, and he asked me what I did for a living. I said, Oh, I'm a college president. He said, You don't look like a college president, and that's been I think this obstacle that I've had to overcome time and time again is being underestimated, being discounted, people thinking I can't do. And again, to go back to the beginning, one of the things I talked about in the beginning of our podcast was I love sport because it's a great equalizer. It doesn't matter if you think I can do it or not. I will prove to you that I can do it. Right. And so that's been a, a through line throughout my whole life is having to prove myself time and time again. And I don't mind it. I'm up to the challenge. That's why I'm hyper competitive. I think I'm, I'm, I'm always ready to prove myself. The dude came in this room right now and said, hey, man, let's walk 50 miles. I, let's go. Like, I'm up for a challenge. It don't matter what it is. I'm ready. And I stay ready. Um, and so I would say what comes along with that is I have to not always have a chip on my shoulder. I have to soften up a little bit. I have to show love and compassion and be joyful. And so I've really focused a big part of my life, too, on bringing joy to the world in small ways every day. And so it's finding balance. So, yeah, all of that kind of comes together in physical things to overcome, whether it's my weight or whatever, or the, the way my feet were. And now I can't freaking see when I swim because I'm older and like, <laughs> we all need glasses, but I don't wear, you know, like it's just there's always some physical limitation. There's always some time limitation. If you own a few businesses and you have kids and you're trying to date, and you're trying to do all this stuff, there's always something and you just have to find a way to overcome it. And I think if you you face life with a smile and keep fighting, you'll overcome it.
1: That's true. That's true. So if an adult, Tom, could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself?
0: I would say pursue your passions more. I have a computer science degree because it made sense. It was the mid 90s. Computers were coming online. And I like programming, like doing computers. I said, let me get a computer science degree because logically that makes sense. I wish I would have gotten a naval architecture degree. I love architecture. I love designing boats. I love being on boats. And who knows, I might, be, might have been the world's greatest naval architect right now. I don't know. But that's a passion that I didn't get to pursue. I wish I would have picked up Spanish much earlier in life in foreign languages. I liked it. I liked the idea of learning foreign languages, but I didn't pursue it. And so I would always tell my younger self, pursue your passions. I picked up painting at, in, uh, was I, 43 or 44. I painted for the first time. Um, I didn't pick up. I didn't skate for the first time uh, in my life. So I was about thirty-seven. I had never had skate on my skates on my feet, and I went on to be a really, really good goalie. And had I pursued that passion when I was a little kid, I might have been a professional hockey player. Pick your thing. Like, it. I think I would continually tell seven-year-old me to pursue my passions and pursue my joys.
1: Okay, but. Uh... Maybe you didn't then, but I I see you now, and I see you like okay, I want to do this, and I'm gonna do it. Which is, I think you're pursuing your passions now, um, in a different way. But
0: yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I love it. I I I live a very joyful and happy life. Um, and we all have our days, right? We all have our things. Um, and like a simple example is, you asked me what I did for my 50th birthday. I did fifty races and because I give one hundred ten percent, I did fifty five races. Right? What I really wanted to do for my fiftieth birthday, mm-hmm. and I I kind of set this goal.
1: What did you want to do?
0: Um, I wanted to go somewhere, and I've never really celebrated a birthday. Really, never. Not really,
1: as much as you travel and, and never ever.
0: Yeah, I've never celebrated a birthday. I went to Chuck E. Cheese for my thirtieth birthday with my kids because I asked my kids, what, "What should I do for my birthday? They're like Chuck E. Cheese? That's what you do for your birthday? Go oh. check." <laughs> so you know, so like that's like literally, but like I've never like gone on a trip for my birthday or anything like that. And so I had this goal of celebrating my 50th birthday with my wife somewhere fantastic. Mm -hmm. Don't have a wife. I was single for my birthday. And so I didn't do anything for my birthday. I actually drove from Pennsylvania to Georgia to go. I needed to see my mom for something. And so that's what I did for my 50th birthday is that I just drove down the highway. But what I really wanted to be doing was swimming at the beaches in Thailand or something like that with, with her. So that's um you know something that I wanted to do and didn't work out. So like you know life is full of joy but there's also some things out there that I'm still working to fix and and put some resources behind and you know achieve.
1: I agree. But if you wanted to swim just you swim you might have met your wife in 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 the sea or something. You never know.
0: I might have. Well and I, and it's right and, and and right and 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 I continue to live life. And I also like I, I I'm transparent. Like I hired a matchmaker. I spent twenty five grand on a matchmaker and I'm currently in the process with a matchmaker because I did not meet that goal, if you will. I didn't have that vision. That's you know, and it wasn't like a checklist, it was just kind of this vision I had in my head. And and so I've I've hired professionals because what I'm doing isn't working. And so I've hired some professionals to help me with that journey. So who knows? Maybe doing this podcast today, there's somebody out there watching this podcast that might send me a little DM. God knows, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> you never know. No, know.
1: that's that's what they say, you know. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, any last minute words of advice for my listeners?
0: Running is better than therapy is a real thing. Go out and move your body. Get some sunlight. There's sun on my face right now, and I, this morning I, I spent an hour getting some sun on my face. Find some time for peace. Put your phones away engage with the world around you move your body and just do things that you're passionate about and do something new pick up pick up a new hobby you never know what you might find joy in i started making jewelry and i just i like making jewelry now it's just something i do some quiet time with some beads or some leather who knows what that might be for you but go out and just just (laughs) try something new man you'd be surprised yeah
1: well thank you for joining me today for your pearl of wisdom.
0: Yeah, this was fun. Thank you for your time. I know it takes a lot for you to, to put the podcast together and coordinate everything. It's no small feat. And I would say this this podcast started out with you kind of as a labor of love, and now it's something you do quite often. And uh, I've listened to quite a few episodes and really enjoyed them. So thank you for having this out there for us.
1: Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Of course. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email Running is Cheaper Than Therapy OLB. OmahaLoveGround at gmail.com Again, that is Running is Cheaper Than Therapy OmahaLoveGround at gmail.com I also can be reached via Instagram Facebook Twitter, LinkedIn and my website at www.weoulifeweoulove.com Thank you for listening and please tune in again.